Chapter 10 The hallway had suddenly become extraordinarily noisy and crowded. From the drawing room it seemed as if a number of persons had come in from the courtyard, and more were still arriving. Various voices were talking and shouting at once. There was more talking and shouting on the staircase, as the front door which led onto it had not been closed. This seemed a most peculiar visit. They all exchanged glances as Ganya rushed out into the reception room to find several people already there. "'Ah, here he is, the Judas!' shouted a voice familiar to the prince. "'How are you, Ganka, you dirty dog?' "'That's him. That's what he is.' The prince could not be in any doubt. One voice belonged to Ragozhin. The other was that of Lebedev. Ganya stood in apparent stupefaction on the threshold of the dining room, silently staring and making no attempt to obstruct the entry of some ten or twelve people filing in after Parfion Rogozhin. The company was motley in the extreme, and notable for disorder as well as diversity. Some were coming in just as they were from the street, in coats and furs. Nobody was completely drunk, however, though they were all rather tipsy. They seemed to need each other's support to actually enter. Not one had the temerity on his own. They all seemed to be pushing one another in. Even Rogozhin was stepping cautiously at the head of the throng, but he had something on his mind and seemed irritable and morosely preoccupied. The rest of them only made up the chorus, or rather the gang, of his supporters. Besides Lebedev, there was the wavy-haired Zalyozhev, who had discarded his fur coat in the hallway and came in dandified and jaunty along with two or three like him, evidently scions of the merchant class. There was a man who wore a semi-military greatcoat. Another was short and extremely fat, continually laughing. There was a giant of a man over six feet, also very stout, grim and silent, clearly one who put much faith in his fists. There was a medical student among those present, and a little cringing pole. Two ladies peered in from the staircase without venturing inside. Kolya slammed the door in their faces and hooked it shut. "'How are you, Ganka, you dirty dog?' repeated Rogozhin, reaching the drawing-room and halting opposite Ganya in the doorway. "'What? Didn't expect Parfion, Rogozhin?' But just at that moment he caught sight of Nastasia Filipovna across the room. Clearly, it had never occurred to him that he might encounter her here, as the sight of her had an extraordinary effect upon him. He went so pale that even his lips took on a blue tinge. So, it's true, he said softly as if to himself, the picture of despair. It's the end. Well, you'll certainly answer to me for this now. He grated suddenly, looking at Ganya with furious hatred. Well, ah! He was fairly gasping for breath and could scarcely get his words out. He moved on into the drawing room automatically, and once inside caught sight of Nina Alexandrovna and Varya. He came to a standstill, somewhat embarrassed in spite of his agitation. Lebedev followed him in sticking to him like a shadow, and by now exceedingly drunk. Then came the medical student, 
then the gentleman with the fists, then Zalyazhev, bowing extravagantly to right and left, and, bringing up the rear, the short, fat man squeezed himself in. They were all somewhat inhibited by the presence of the ladies, a powerful restraint upon them, of course, only until things got started, till the first excuse arrived to begin kicking up a row and get started. Then all the ladies in the world wouldn't bother them. What? You here as well, prince, said Rogozhin vaguely, somewhat surprised at coming across him. Still in those wretched gaiters, <sighs> he sighed, dismissing the prince from his mind at once as he transferred his gaze once more to Nastasia Filipovna, moving steadily towards her as if drawn by a magnet. She too was regarding the visitors with uneasy curiosity. Ganya at length recovered himself. But look here, what on earth is the meaning of all this? He began loudly, surveying the newcomers sternly and addressing himself principally to Rogozhin. You're not in the stables, you know. My mother and sister are here. We can see it's your mother and sister, Rogozhin said through his teeth. It's obviously your mother and sister, seconded Lebedev, keeping his end up. The gentleman with the fists, doubtless thinking his moment had arrived, began growling. But hang it all! Ganya's voice rose suddenly, over loud, explosive. First of all, I want everybody out of here into the other room. Then kindly inform me. Fancy he doesn't recognize me. Rogozhin grinned malevolently, not budging. You don't recognize Rogozhin? I suppose I must have met you somewhere, but... Fancy met me somewhere. Why, I lost two hundred roubles of my father's money to you just three months ago. The old man died without finding out. You dragged me into it, and Kanif cheated. Don't you recognize me? Ptitsin's a witness, aren't you? If I took three roubles out of my pocket just now and showed you them, you'd crawl to Vasilyevsky Island for them on your hands and knees. That's the sort you are. Your soul's like that. I've come to buy you off for cash. Never mind looking at these boots. I've got money, friend. Stacks of it. I'll buy you out lock, stock, and barrel. I could buy you all out if I wanted. Buy everything. Rogozhin was getting very heated and seemingly more and more drunk. Eh, he shouted. Nastasia Filipovna, don't drive me away. Just say one little word. Are you going to marry him or not? Rogozhin asked the question like a desperate man supplicating some deity, but with the recklessness of one condemned to death who has nothing more to lose. He awaited the reply in a deathly anguish. Nastasia Filipovna measured him with her taunting, imperious stare, but glanced at Varya and Nina Alexandrovna, then looked at Ganya and suddenly altered her tone. Of course not. What are you talking about? Whatever possessed you to ask a thing like that? She answered, quiet and serious, and apparently mildly surprised. No? No, shouted Rogozhin rapturously. So you're not, then? And they told me... Ah, well, Nastasia Filipovna, they told me you were engaged to Ganka. Him, of all people. It couldn't be true, I tell them. 
Why, I could buy him for a hundred roubles. If I gave him a thousand, say three, to withdraw, he'd clear off on the eve of his wedding and leave his betrothed to me. It's true, Ganka, you swine. You'd take the three thousand, wouldn't you? Here it is. Look, that's why I came, to get your signature on it. I said I'd buy you off, and so I will. Get out of here, you drunk, shouted Ganya, flushing and growing pale by turns. His outburst was abruptly followed by an explosion of several voices. Rogozhin's crew had long been waiting for the first challenge. Lebedev was earnestly whispering something in Rogozhin's ear. True enough, clerk, Rogozhin responded. True, you drunken devil. Eh, well, here goes. Nastasya Filipovna, he cried, looking at her as if half-crazed. Nervous at first, then suddenly emboldened to the point of insolence. There's eighteen thousand. He tossed a white paper packet tied up with string onto the table in front of her. There. And there's more where that came from. He couldn't nerve himself to say what it was he wanted. No, no, no. Lebedev started whispering to him again, his face registering considerable alarm. It could be guessed that the magnitude of the sum had terrified him, and he was suggesting a very much lower starting point. No, my foolish friend, you're out of your depth here. Yes, and I'm no better, that's clear enough. Rogozhin pulled himself together as he trembled before Nastasya Filipovna's flashing eyes. Ugh, I've made a mess of it listening to you, he added with intense regret. Nastasya Filipovna laughed suddenly as she regarded Rogozhin's crestfallen face. Eighteen thousand for me. There's a yokel talking, she added suddenly with a brazen familiarity and half rose from the sofa as if about to leave. Ganya observed the whole spectacle with a sinking heart. Forty thousand, then. Forty, not eighteen, shouted Rogozhin. Vanka Ptitsin and Biskup promised to deliver forty thousand by seven. Forty thousand. Hard cash. The whole thing was becoming outrageous, but Nastasia Filipovna continued laughing and made no move to go. It seemed as if she was deliberately prolonging things. Nina Alexandrovna and Varya had also risen from their places and were waiting in silent dismay for what might transpire. Varya's eyes glittered, but her mother was taking it all very badly. She was trembling and seemed likely to faint at any moment. Well, if that's the way it is, a hundred. One hundred thousand this very day. Ptitsin, lend me it. You're on to a good thing. You're off your head, Ptitsin whispered suddenly, coming over to him swiftly and laying hold of his arm. You're drunk. They'll be sending for the police. Where do you think you are? It's the drink talking said Nastasia Filipovna, seeming to taunt him. No word of a lie. The cash will be there by tonight. Petitsin, lend it to me, little usurer. Take what you like as security. Just deliver one hundred thousand by tonight. I'll prove I'm as good as my word. Rogozhin was all of a sudden in an ecstasy of excitement. Now hang it, what is all this? shouted an angry Adalyon Alexandrovich belligerently as he moved towards Rogozhin. The old man had kept quiet until now, and the unexpectedness of his outburst smacked of the comic. Laughter broke out.
Where did you spring from, then? Rogozhin laughed. Come with us, old man. We'll make you drunk. Now that's rotten, shouted Kolya, fairly weeping with shame and exasperation. Isn't there one among you to take this shameless woman out of here? shouted Varya suddenly, shaking with anger. Here's me being called shameless, parried Nastasia Filipovna with cheerful contempt. I'm the one who came here like a fool to invite them to my party. See the way your sister treats me, Gavrile Ardalyonovich. Ganya stood for some time as if thunderstruck by his sister's outburst. Seeing, however, that Nastasia Filipovna was really leaving this time, he rushed frantically over to Varya and grabbed at her arm in a frenzy. What have you done? he shouted, looking at her as if to incinerate her on the spot. He was utterly beside himself and unaware of what he was doing. What have I done, then? Where are you dragging me off to? You aren't going to ask me to apologize to her for insulting your mother and coming here to disgrace your house, are you, you contemptible man? She shouted again, staring at her brother in defiant exultation. They stood facing one another thus for several seconds, Ganya still holding her by the arm. Varya tugged once, then again with all her might, but lost control and suddenly, goaded beyond endurance, spat in her brother's face. Now there's a girl for you, cried Nastasia Filipovna. Bravo, Ptitsin, I congratulate you. Ganya saw red, and, completely forgetting himself, he lashed out at his sister with all his strength. The blow would have caught her full in the face had not another hand seized Ganya's in midair. Between his sister and himself stood the prince. That's enough. That will do he said insistently, though trembling all over himself, apparently severely shaken. "'Are you forever going to get in my way?' roared Ganya, releasing Varya's arm, and in an extremity of fury using the full force of his free hand to strike the prince across the cheek. "'Oh!' cried Kolya, throwing up his hands. "'Oh, my God!' There were exclamations from all sides. The prince went ashen. He looked Ganya directly in the eyes with an oddly reproachful expression. His lips trembled as they strove to say something. A sort of strange, utterly incongruous smile played upon them. Well, me, perhaps, but her, I won't let you, he said softly at length, but broke down suddenly and released Ganya, covered his face in his hands, and went off into a corner. Facing the wall, he spoke in a faltering voice. Ah, how ashamed you're going to be for what you've done. Ganya was indeed standing utterly crushed. Kolya rushed across to embrace and kiss the prince. Behind him pressed Rogozhin, Varya, Ptitsin, Nina Alexandrovna. All of them, even the old man, Adelion Alexandrovich. It's all right, it's all right, murmured the prince to everyone in general still with the same incongruous smile. He'll rule the day, cried Rogozhin. He'll be ashamed, Gunker, for insulting this sheep. He couldn't think of any other word. Prince, dear heart, leave these people. Damn the lot of them. Come away with me. You'll find out what Rogozhin's friendship means. Nastasia Filipovna was also much taken aback, 
both by Ganya's action and the prince's reply. Her normally pale and pensive face, which all along had seemed out of keeping with her affected laughter, was now clearly stirred by a new emotion. She still appeared reluctant to betray it, however, and the mocking expression seemed determined to cling to her features. I've certainly seen his face before, she said, suddenly quite grave, as she recalled her recent question. And aren't you ashamed of yourself? Surely you're not what you've been pretending to be. Can that really be possible? The prince cried all of a sudden in profound, heartfelt reproach. Nastasia Filipovna was surprised at this and smiled, though seeming to conceal something behind the smile. She shot a somewhat confused glance at Ganya as she left the drawing room. Before reaching the hallway, however, she came back, went swiftly up to Nina Alexandrovna, took her hand and brought it to her lips. I'm not like this, really. He's right, she whispered quickly and vehemently, suddenly coloring. She turned and this time left so quickly that no one realized why she had returned. All they saw was that she whispered something to Nina Alexandrovna and appeared to kiss her hand. Varya, however, heard and saw everything and followed her with astonished eyes. Ganya recollected himself and darted after Nastasia Filipovna, but she had already left the apartment. He caught her up on the stairs. Don't see me out, she cried to him. Au revoir till this evening. Be there, you hear? He came back bemused and thinking hard. A painful uncertainty oppressed his spirit, even worse now than before. There was the prince, too. He was so sunk in reflection that he barely noticed the whole Rogozhin entourage spilling past him, even jostling him in the doorway as they hastily vacated the apartment in Rogozhin's wake. They were all talking in unison about something. Rogozhin himself had been walking with Petitsin, insisting on some matter of urgent importance. You've lost, Ganka, he shouted as he went by. Ganya gazed after them uneasily.
l'éther qui se dénude devant moi. L'arme de raisin. des vagues lorsqu'elle s'agrippe à la terre ferme lorsqu'elle migre et je t'aime et tu es le prélude de mon âme L'épilogue s'envole les colombes se pose les colombes s'envole les colombes se pose les colombes appartient à mon amour, moi, et mon amour appartient à son étoile fugitive. Et nous entrons dans les rêves, mais il ralentit les pas pour nous échapper. Lorsque mon amour s'endort, je me lève pour protéger son rêve de ce qu'il pourrait voir et chasser les nuits passées avant notre rencontre j'ai choisi nos jours 
de mes mains Et choisis pour moi la rose de notre table Donc, mon amour, que les voix de mer s'élèvent jusqu'à mes genoux Dors, mon amour. Dors. Que je me pose en toi. Fuck being polite.